The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be back with you one final time, not a final time ever, but final time before your new pastor arrives. And uh, if you remember, I said I was done at the end of March, and then elders asked me to come back for a few more times. And part of that reason was to help with uh, transition, in particular with the new pastor coming, because I had been a new pastor a few times in my life. And how could I maybe help uh, with, with that? And I have shared with you each week uh, that I've been here, it's my third time, about how I gave you five specific things with regards to getting ready for, uh, for Pastor Michael and Kristen to come here in just a few weeks now. Uh, I don't know if you remember those five things, but I keep telling you them so that they'll sink in. First of all, greet them warmly, like overwhelm them with your love, with cards, with gift certificates, with invitations to your home to get to know them. Let them know how glad you are that they are here. Secondly, allow Pastor Michael to be himself because he's unique because he's, he's the only Michael Best that there is in the world, and he's the one that God has called here. And then thirdly, allow Michael to make changes that he feels that should be made. And then allow Michael to make mistakes, because he's a human being, and he will. And then lastly, pray for Michael and Kristen and their family every single day. Um, maybe that's at the dinner table, and praying for them before they arrive. And then once they arrive, I pray for them, of course, every day as, as well. And I want to share just a few other things that are on my heart before I get into our passage today. These are things that um, I have not been asked to share. These are things that no one knows that I'm going to share. In fact, I said to the Lord, if, if I walk up and you don't want me to share this, just cut me off. And I don't feel that he's cut me off. So I want to share just a few more things with you. At the end of August, when I came for the very first time, I shared a passage with you. Um, that actually is the same passage that Pastor Ricky pa- preached through last, last week. It's a passage that I chose because of a uh, time of transition in a church can often be uh, wonky, difficult, challenging. And I told you about how Satan loves to, during a time of transition, to get into a church and try to implode it from the inside out. He's amazing at that. He's very gifted at that. It's n- almost never from the outside. It's from the inside. And often it's done through, you know, different things with disunity. And I know that these uh, last nine and a half months since I first came, uh, some of that has definitely been the case. Satan, uh, this has been a target for him, this, this church, because this is a great church. It's a church that is a light that is needed in this, in this town and beyond. It's a church filled with a lot of wonderful people and staff and, and leaders. And uh, Satan wants to do harm here. And so he loves to do that from, from within, rocky times. And then what I want to share with you in particular is this. I know it's been uh, some rough goes, but you've had a gift that you might not see as a gift. So often during transitions, elders take a back seat. They don't want to deal with difficult things. And they don't want to deal with difficult things, and they just say, you know what, we'll, we'll let the new pastor handle that when he comes. Um, but one of the greatest gifts that an elder board can give to a pastor that's coming in is to, while things are difficult, to address them and to, to lean into them and have the hard conversations and make difficult decisions. And that's what's happened here. 
And I know it has been difficult and challenging. And yet at the same time, um, you should be very grateful for, for leaders who have chosen to lean in versus lean away. And, and I'll tell you this too, and, and maybe I'll step on a few toes when I say this. And it's my last day. So, um, and that's this. When, when there's parting of ways with staff, that's always painful. And I think in a church, the hardest of, of any, more than business or anything by far, because they become part of the family. And I can't tell you in my 24 years of being a, a pastor, and with that always being on elder boards as, as the senior pastor, I can't remember, maybe there was a time, I can't remember a time when there was a parting of ways for one reason or another, where I didn't hear the words several times, well, we understand why you did it, but we don't like the way you did it. I heard that every time. And there's no book out on how to do this. It's, it's uh, really difficult and challenging. And you do what you think is best at the time. Again, no one has asked me to say these things, and I don't know what the elders will think of me saying these things, but I think you should be grateful for courageous leaders that you've had here, even if it's been really hard. And that's not to say anything about anybody else, or I, I just, from my perspective, um, you should be grateful for these, for these leaders here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and I'm going to ask for God to do what only he can do in a church, and that's to, to bring it together, to strengthen it, to unify it. I also want to say this. Randy Singley, who is the chairman of your board, on, on Monday morning, he was on a ladder and, and fell off of it, broke his leg underneath of his knee, and it separated from the knee quite a bit. And they did a major surgery on Wednesday to align it back. In fact, he is going to be, he got out of the hospital last night, but he has to go to a a, re, a, a physical rehabilitation center. Make sure you know it's not a rehab center for other reasons. It's because he's got to get his leg back in order. Um, and so he'll be there for a few weeks to, so he can get back up and walking and all of that. And so we want to be praying for Randy, Randy as, as well. So let me, let me pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this church because this is your church. It's never our church. It's your church. And Lord... Uh, we know that Satan has wanted to harm this church, and he's worked hard at it. And yet, in the midst of that, Lord, so many good things have happened and continue to happen. Lord, we look forward in anticipation to Pastor Michael coming and Kristen coming. And, and, and Lord, we ask that you would prepare them each day for what they have in front of them. May you give them enthusiasm and passion and wisdom and strength and endurance as they walk into these uh, these new roles, Lord. I pray for the church to embrace them so strongly, Lord, that they would know right from the beginning, this is where you've called them to be. Lord, I want to pray for, for uh, the church as a whole right now, going through this time of transition and difficult things that have come up, and even just recently, Lord. Lord, we give all this to you. We're going to trust you through it. We ask that you would bring unity and love and understanding uh, in the midst of this. Lord, I want to pray for, for the staff and the elders who, who lead this, your church, Lord, and may you give them um, the, the strength that they need during this time. On top of all that, we got all the COVID stuff still, and we're trying to work through all that, Lord. So it's just so many things, and people are tired and they're weary. But Lord, may we never tire weary of doing good, as your word says. I want to pray for Randy right now as he is in rehab. Lord, may you strengthen his leg and help him to be able to walk quickly, Lord. Be with him and Sandy as they endure this time together. And Lord, as we come before you now to your word, I ask, Lord, that, 
that you would move in our midst in this incredible passage that we're going to look at today. Thank you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to go away from the book of Acts um, because I, my last time with you, I want to share f- with you from my heart about my favorite verse, and it's about the heart. It's found in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, if you want to head on over there and find your way there to Proverbs chapter 4. If you uh, know your Old Testament, you get to the middle of it, you have the big, huge book of Psalms pretty much in the middle, hang a right, and you'll get to Proverbs and get to chapter 4. We're going to talk about our being, our inner life today, our heart before God. And as a leader, so often I got this backwards and and wrong. In fact, when I was getting my doctorate in Christian leadership, I chose a dissertation topic to write on, on strategic planning. And I had to get the whole thing approved, the dissertation approved, which is a big, uh, difficult thing to do through, through the seminary and, and got that approved. And I had written up to four chapters. And I was at the time pastoring a church in Chino Hills in Southern California. And while uh, there, I worked on helping the church go through a nine-month process of, of strategic planning. And we came up with mission statement, vision, core values, one-year, three-year, five-year goals, things like that. And then... As I was four chapters in and already written quite a bit of other things with it, Jane and I and our family went to Mount Hermon in the summer of 1997. Now, we went every summer, but that summer is one that we will never forget in particular because the morning speaker that summer for family camp was a guy named Bruce Wilkinson. Some of you might know that name. At the time, he was the president of Walk Through the Bible Ministries. And he preached through the, the chapter of John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bear much fruit, etc." And in fact, his, his book, The Secrets of the Vine, came out after that over this uh, series that, that he did. It was a powerful week. It was a week like none other in our life. It was a week that one night, in, in the, late at night, Jane and I were in the bathroom, door closed, light on, while our kids were in the only other room, uh, all sleeping, and we shared our hearts in deeper and new ways that we'd ever had before, and even confessed some sin to one another and just got clean before the Lord. And, and, and in that week, God did something within my own heart for leadership as well. And he, and however he does this, he made very clear to me that you, you can't, um, he doesn't want me focused primarily on strategic planning. What he wants me to be more about is the being, the heart, your inner life as a leader. And I went and I, I literally stopped my dissertation on strategic planning. I delayed graduation an entire year and started over from scratch. Had to get it all reapproved again and go through all of that. And what I did without going through the whole dissertation is I, I, I looked at five different kings that were right in a row. King David, King Solomon, King Rehoboam, King Abijah, King Asa, those five. And I, and I showed how as went their life spiritually, so went the people spiritually. As went the leader, so went the followers. Now, I'm sure there was individual exceptions, but as a whole, when the king said, we're going to follow God with all of our hearts, we're not going to do idols, we're going to get rid of the idols, and we're going to be fully embracing God, the people followed. But when the kings backed off on that and said, we will allow idols into the land and other things into the land and even male cult prostitution into the land and the temple and all this kind of stuff, the people embraced that. 
As went the leader spiritually, so went the followers. So out of that became my leadership mantra is as goes the leader, so goes the follower for good or for bad. And, and so uh, people who are great planners uh, get frustrated around me because like, what's the one year, three year, five year plan uh, where you are at church or at Mount Hermon? Where, well, what's the, what's the plan? And you know, I do planning and, and we try to strategize certainly it's not like that's, that's completely out of, out of the picture. However, I frustrate people because I really have that one, three, five-year plan. In fact, for me, I found the, the way that I lead, if I can just stay one step behind the Lord and one step ahead of the people, somehow in that spot, God uses my leadership the, the best, as long as my heart is right before him. People say, you should write a book on that. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm just one step behind the Lord, one step ahead of the people. That's as good as it gets. But, but it has made a huge difference in my life about being about the being as a leader first and foremost, not so much the doing. So I want to talk to you about the being today in Proverbs chapter 4. If you look at the first seven chapters of Proverbs, you will see that they start off with words like my son or my sons. It's Solomon who's pouring out his heart to his sons. And when he does this, he's at a point in his life where he's very godly. It's not later on in his life when he has, you know, fallen away from this before his massive amount of success and fame and authority and wealth. Um, he's building up to that. But at this point in his life, he's very godly. And he writes these truths to his, to his sons and passes them on to them. So often he also he must have done this to Rahab for him, but you'll see that Rehoboam was not a follower of God. Why? Because his dad ended up not really being a, a follower of God at the end of his life. And parents, we can write what we want to write and say what we want to say, but our kids are going to watch what we do and how we live and what's really going on on the inside of us. So let's look at this passage, chapter four, verses 20 through 27. In the middle of it is my life first, verse 23. Verse 20. My son... Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Before we dig into verse 23, let's look at what leads up to it. Solomon talks about the impact of wise words, words that can guide and protect you through life. And here is what these words of wisdom, and when they're passed down to us, how we should receive them. He says, be attentive to them, he tells his sons. Be attentive to them. Pay careful attention to these words. He says, listen intently to them. Incline your ear to my sayings, verse 20. Stay focused on them, verse 21. Let them not escape from your sight. Internalize them, he says. Keep them within your heart, verse 21. Words are not just to be memorized, that's knowledge. Words are to be internalized, and they turn into wisdom. Internalize, have them in your heart. Why? Because these wise words are necessary for healthy living. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Or as Eugene Peterson in the message puts it, those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul, they're bursting with health. You can have a healthy life. 
before the Lord if you follow these things, which leads to verse 23, my, my life verse. Say, hey, what's a life verse? It's just a verse that I've chosen that has just impacted me, and I choose it as the one verse that I go to more than any other. Verse 23 of Proverbs 4, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. In the Bible, when a heart is mentioned, very rarely it's talking about a heart that actually, you know, is beating in, in, in a life. It's more talking about the, it being the control center of one's being. It's, it's, it's the seat of the emotions, the seat of the will with, within you. It's who you are deep down. It's who you are when you're traveling on the road by yourself. It's who you are in the locker room. It's who you are with your buddies after work. It's who you are at home when nobody else knows what goes on behind closed doors. Proverbs 4.23 states, keep your heart, ESV. But the New American Standard says, watch over your heart. Or the New International Version, guard your heart. Guard it. Guard it. You guard what's most precious to you, right? You guard your children. You guard your marriage. You guard your financial portfolio. You guard your career. You guard your, your, your expensive possessions. You even guard your secrets. <laughs> Did you want anybody else to know? You guard what's most precious to you. But do you guard your heart? Do you guard your inner being? David, of whom it was said, was a man after God's own heart. What a great description. He wrote this in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my, what? Heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. He says, examine me, God. Evaluate me my inner being. Tell me where I'm off or where I'm on. I want to know. I want to know. Excuse me. So how do you guard your heart? So this might sound a little bit old-fashioned or maybe even legalistic, but let me give you a few ways to guard your and my heart. First of all, protect what you watch. Protect what you watch. If you're watching movies full of violence, full of sex, if F-words are coming out all over the place, it goes in the heart. Becomes part of who you are. Video games filled with violence and, and different things like that becomes part of who you are. So in our home, um, we don't even have, we're empty nest kind of, we're quasi empty nest. We have college kids, so they come and go. We have two college kids. And both of them are in the area. One's at Mount Hermon on staff in a dorm. The other one is actually in our home for the summer. But most of the time now, we don't have kids at home. And yet, we have uh, cable. We have Xfinity cable. And there's a parental code on there. And you can put it on there so you can limit to the level of what you know, your kids can watch. And we set a, a parental level to protect. But there's only one person in the house who has the code. And it's not me. It's Jane. She's got the code. Jane goes out of town. I can't get into that stuff. I don't know the code. You know? And, and it's a protector even for me from myself. 
Protect yourself, what you watch. Second, protect what you allow to influence you. Protect what you allow to influence you. You know, you always hear this. You know, you become like your friends, right? And you tell, tell your kids, be careful who your friends are. Well, that's for all of us. Be careful who your friends are because you'll be influenced by your friends. You become like your friends and you influence them. Be careful who you allow to teach you. Be careful uh, about the talk shows that you listen to or the politicians that you follow or, the, or even the counselors that you go to. Protect who you allow to influence you. As a pastor, often I would have couples come to me and their marriages were in peril. And a lot of times I would find out that they were talking to other divorced you know, people to try to get you know, their input about things. And I would say to them, okay, I get that. But what I really like you to do is I want you to go and find a few couples who've been married for 50 years or more, and I want you to go hang out with them. I want you to talk to them and ask them the question. Perfect. No, I can promise you. They've, they've gotten to where they are because love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It hasn't all been easy. I can promise you that. You need to go talk to them. Protect who you allow to influence you. And protect what you read. Protect what you read. Kind of like protect what you watch. But I would say this. Protect what you read. Not only what you shouldn't read, but what you should read. And what should you read on a daily basis? This book right here. Because it's God's very word. Think of that. God Almighty, God of the universe, his very words to us to instruct us and to guide us. And here's what I've become convinced of as I shared with you before. God's word, it works. When you follow it, it works. My life is healthier and better. And my relationships are, are stronger. And my marriage is definitely better. When I follow God's word, it works. And it keeps me out of a lot of trouble. So let's be reminded of verses 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for their life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. It's like placing a Navy seal, a spiritual Navy seal over your heart to protect it. Hmm. Which gets us to Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance. That word vigilant means to keenly watch to detect danger. You're constantly watching to detect for danger. It means ever awake and alert. It means sleeplessly watchful, vigilant, constantly at it. Protect your heart. I taught our, all four of our kids how to drive. Jane did some of that. I did the majority of it. There's a reason for that, but we'll let Jane talk about that later. That was to keep our kids alive. And uh, <laughs> she would get a little more upset than I would. Anyway, and we would drive around and I would tell them about, I called it the 360 degree bubble. I say, what's that? I would say, you need to know what's going on all around you all the time. Constantly be aware. Don't just know what's going, out, going on in front of the window. You need to know what's going on on the sides. You need to know what's going on behind you. And when you come up to an intersection, you just shouldn't just believe that everybody's going to follow the rules and you need to make sure that they're slowing down, even though there's a red light or there's a stop sign. You need to see, always be on the alert for everything around you that could do danger and damage to you. That's what this is. Keep your heart with all vigilance, a 360-degree bubble around you, spiritually and morally, to guard your inner being. 
with all diligence, it says in the American Standard, or the NIV, above all else to guard your heart. It's, it's your number one priority. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, kind of do a, a pause here, a parenthesis here, and talk to middle-aged men. Middle-aged men. Now, if you're like wondering, am I old enough yet to be a middle-aged man? If you even ask that question, welcome to the club. We're glad to have you. And then I have to ask the question, when do I stop being a middle-aged man? Because now I'm a grandpa. I'm not willing to give it up yet. I think I'm still in the category, but on the higher end of middle-aged men. But anyway, that's, that's what I'm holding on to for the moment. But I want to talk to us that are middle-aged men. In the second half of life, it's easy to drop your guard kind of arrived, kind of figured things out. A lot of middle-aged men are fairly successful. They've learned the levers to pull and the buttons to push and the keys to turn. They're not hungry anymore. In fact, a lot of times they're bored. They've done the acquisitions hundreds and hundreds of times and they'll still keep doing them because it gives good money for them, but it's not like it used to be. Marriage, take your, your wife for granted. She's still there, you know, she's... But that, that dating, that, that pursuing, spiritually, kind of heard it all. You've heard all the sermons. You've heard thousands of sermons over the years. What's another sermon? I go to church, but, but do I, I don't really come with anticipation, a, a thirst, hunger to learn. It's a dangerous place to be spiritually. When uh, we came to Mount Hermon a little over six years ago, I was 51 years old at the time. And it was very humbling for me. I had never worked at a camp in my life. I wasn't even a summer staffer in my life, and I had to learn so many things. I went from pastoring a church that was, you know, successful, you would say, a large church. God was really working there, and now I'm leading a camp, and although I'd been to the camp, you know, tons of times, it's totally different than leading it, and I'm learning about water systems and camper days and all sorts of different things that I had never known before, and it was uh, difficult. Jane will tell you that about two years in, she said to me, lovingly, she said to me, it feels like your shoes are on the wrong feet. Like you're wearing, you know, your left shoe on your right foot and backwards and, and how you're, you're leading right now. And it was, I felt uncoordinated. And it was humbling and I didn't like it. But it was healthy for me. I had to be the one asking the questions. I had to be the one saying, how do you do this? I'd no longer arrived. Nobody was asking me to come speak on camping anywhere. Anywhere. They still don't. And, and yet when you've arrived, the vigilance can stop. You realize that most men that fall in the Bible fall in the second half of their life. The second half. So lack of vigilance is a danger zone. Well, sin will come in and sin hurts and sin destroys always. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Why keep your heart with vigilance? Why? Because from it flow the springs of life. You'll have a healthy heart. I know you can have other health ailments, but if your heart is healthy for the most part, you're, you will be healthy physically. But when your arteries get all clogged up, Things start, you know, stopping up. You can die. 
stagnate, die, have all sorts of problems if your heart is not healthy. <clears throat> this is true spiritually as well. Let me show you a very specific teaching of Jesus in the New Testament about an issue that was very hot, hotly debated in that time. So there's a lot of idol worship that went on. And with the idols, they would bring gifts. People would bring gifts to the idols. And sometimes that was uh, uh, like food. They would present food to the idol. So here was the big argument. After, you know, after they would put the food there, you know, the idol didn't eat it because the idol doesn't move because the idol isn't real. And, and so they would take the food and they would then sell it. So Jews very, I think, understandably begin to say, you know, we shouldn't eat food sacrificed to idols because that was not intended for God. It's been contaminated. It's wrong. It's supporting that. And, and that's, that's the issue. And so Jesus weighs in on it, this, this debate. Matthew 15 says, he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. It's not food that goes in that defiles a person. It's what comes out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth? Conversations, words, thoughts, things like that, actions. Peter said to him, explain the parable to us because they didn't get it. And Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Then he says this, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? That's physical, right? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. It's not food that goes into a mouth. It's what you have done to cultivate your heart in a way that out of it comes things that are evil and against the ways of God and sexual immorality and and words that are harmful and hurtful to other people, etc., These are what defile a person. Those come from within, from the heart. That's why you got to guard your heart. Our actions, our reactions, our speech all stem from the condition of our heart. And get this, our heart controls the springs of life, the the very vibrancy of our life from within. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, for it affects everything you do. It affects everything you do, the heart. The condition of your heart affects everything for good or for bad. When I was a young man, there was a particular passage that really struck me and still does to this day, but it particularly it was so good for me as a young man because it starts by saying this, how can a young man keep his way pure? How? By guarding it, guarding it, According to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my mind. No, I stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I put God's word in my heart, not just mentally in my mind, but in my inner being that it changes me from the inside out so that I might not sin against you. Unseen matters matter. So what did Jesus boil this all down to? He made it pretty simple, pretty uncomplicated when he said, 
in the Beatitudes back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five. He said this, blessed are the pure in what? Heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, in your inner being. Why? For they shall see God. They will have a clear picture of who God is. With a heart that's clean before God, such a heart allows us to see God as he really is. In all his splendor, in all his glory, in all his majesty. But with a tainted heart, we see God in a tainted way. Or another way to put it, purity of heart allows God to become visible. And when we see God as he really is, we will be transformed from the inside out to be more like So what does it look like on the other side of verse 23? So verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. And then Solomon says to his sons, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. He says, guarding your heart will cause you to talk differently and to walk differently. To talk differently and to walk differently. Verse 24, talk differently. In the message, it says, don't walk, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. That's what happens when you have a changed heart. And to walk differently, verses 25 through 27. If you guard your heart, you'll be focused ahead And you will not stray on paths that will do you harm and destruction. But the path that God has set for you, go on that path and that path alone. And it's the right path and it's the best path. It's the safest path path, and it's the most fulfilling path. And it's pleasing to him. Talk differently, walk differently. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.